Jeremy. Hi, Ralph. What's going on? Uh, what is going on indeed? It's, uh, we're recording two weeks in a row, so we're back on track. <laughs> yeah. Well, we have a lot of questions, so thank you, everybody. The, our folder is full of good questions. Soda's asking some questions, I think. Yeah, yeah. We're, so, we're yeah, Christina's out of town. Normally, she's downstairs with the dog, and I'm upstairs, but now... I'm downstairs. Just like holding the dog's mouth closed. No, but she's more calm when she's like sitting on the couch with Christina. So Mm. yeah, I see. But whenever there's someone in the hallway, she likes to bark. Okay. Well, she'll be our third host, hopefully. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But what have you been? What have you been up to? How it's like Christina's gone for two days and everything's chaos. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, What have I been up to? Uh, just working a lot, I guess. Yeah, preparing. There's going to be uh, NFT NYC week. So What's that? It's uh, a week of NFT activities in New York. And, uh, all the platforms will be here and shows and talks and things and workshops. And uh, yeah, it mm, should be fun. So, so despite the crash, it's still, there's like people what crash? are still... <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, it, it, I, it's funny, like... Uh, it's sort of back at the level of before the hype, so like the, the 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 financial level of the currencies. So, so anyone that was like just there for the yeah for the for the kind of money is gone now, and it's more like the diehards. Well, yeah, it, it's still to me like uh, really great as a file storage solution. I'm just oh, I don't have to host anything. The work is just on the blockchain. Yeah. So you know how there was like. Uh, explain this to me. This is like, I, I saw this acronym recently and I was like, what, I think I know what this is, but I'm not sure. You know how there was always in crypto? STFU? No, no, that What is that? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, you know HODL? Like yeah. H-O-D-L, which is a mistype of hold. Yeah. Like you never sell. Yeah. Of course, like you have sold, but like whatever. Like, But generally in crypto, like the idea of the pyramid scheme was like no one ever sells, right? Um, and you have to ride out the lows. Then I saw recently the dip. Bi- Biddle or Bildle, like B... Uh, oh, building? B-U-L-D-L, or like, yeah, like building, but like HODL, but building. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and I was like, does that refer to like Web3, like build platforms? I, I'm really or? not an expert, so I don't even know that term. So it's... it's uh, Okay. I'm, I'm also not an investor. I just got paid in Ethereum and then I converted it, so it's... Um, no, no, don't back, don't back out. Because at this, <clears throat> like when you go to this festival, you're going to go in there and you're going to be, you'll be talking platforms, to you'll be talking technology to, to believers. Yeah. yeah. You're not going to say like, oh, yeah, yeah, just it's just an investment. <laughs> no, no, but what I mean is I've, I've spoken to people who are building in Web3 and making things and um, mm-hmm. they believe in the protocol, but they don't believe in it as a financial asset for themselves. So there's a... Those are two different things. I see. But the asset underlies the concept of decentralizing power. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I think you have to participate a little bit to understand it. But there's, a, there's people who are constantly trading currencies and that's their way of life. And there's other people who are building a platform and they, they mm. need cash flow, but they're, they're not trying to... I, right, like there's the day traders and then there's like the long gamers. Day traders and, and builders are two different occupations, yeah. Yeah. Um, I was talking to someone about um, 
an NFT show, but like a col- I was talking to a collector, which I don't have the, I don't know that many NFT collectors, but this was someone that had bought like a few thousand NFTs and they were now curating. Um, and that's kind of what got them started, like curating as well, which I thought was kind of exciting or interesting. Um, but they were really excited about like these new, like these new concepts and like all of this underground stuff happening around now, like audience don't laugh, but around like metaverse and creating like virtual worlds. And the idea that he was like excited about, you know, sharing with me and I was kind of excited too, was he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like Facebook's going to own the world. Like what everyone's trying to do now is like create these platforms where like anyone can create their own world. And then you can just invite your friends to that world. It'll be like all, you know, everyone can create their own kind of like, you know, special club worlds basically. Yeah. And like have all their favorite things in there, like all your favorite artworks and all your friends and da 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 da. And then I was like, that does make a lot of sense. It sounds like how a video game lobby. Well, it's, it's also, um, if something is fun, that's a powerful thing. Like, yeah, oh, it sounded this fun. Really like, fun. It's positive. Like, it, it's it, like yeah. Facebook and social media became such a battleground for ideas. And then if you have this other world where you're just, hanging your favorite artworks and maybe sharing movies you've invested in and, and songs yeah. and writers. That sounds a lot more fun than like, everybody, this is everything that's wrong with the world and I need you to repost it or you're an asshole. Well, then I was, and then I was like, so how do you experience this world? Is it like AR, VR? He's like, no, no, they haven't got that far yet. Like, <laughs> they're still establishing like how land works and like how, you know, how people yeah. will, will be, you know, work and, together. And there's even, the, there's, because it's open, you can build all kinds of uh, representations of a collection. So some people prefer a, a 2D sort of blog layout of their collection, yeah. and some people like the three-dimensional world, or maybe both. Um, so, you know, you know how a big museum will have, have an online catalog that you can search by keywords and things like that? Like That makes yeah. sense for the entire collection, and then maybe you make certain exhibitions in 3D with a theme and works that make sense together. Yeah. Um, so that this, uh, what I really love about this, the NFT thing is that everything is computational. So you can really just say like, okay, I want to see all the works that are this resolution. I want to see all the works that are this aspect ratio. I want to see all the works that are this duration. Uh, and then you could even see a future where uh, you could trans. Let's say you have a, a, a movie collection, but it's, it's a, Web three based movie collection and everything's transcribed and indexable and yeah yeah I don't see why you'd ever limit it to just artists actually yeah you'd want it to be all all of culture yeah yeah for sure but it, there there is a difference with art that art has always been about one person owning a certain work and and movies are more about everybody shares it so I guess NFT is kind of in the middle of that hmm interesting yeah. So but, there's that wood there's that in music there's yeah, that yeah, yeah. album right like example of like selling just one of one i'm sure there's examples of that in cinema too or maybe not by choice but but yeah you could totally see this as a a way to crowdfund a movie and say like oh i own that scene and that person <clears throat> owns that scene and, mm. so yeah. maybe there's a good uh, segue into i hate to jump straight into questions but we got a bunch we got, and, yeah but we got two questions from inton well, should we do them both today? Well, maybe we'll see I how far so. we get, but the first one... Yeah. Okay. So let's listen to Inton's first question. So Inton sent us two questions, one based on fear and one based on joy. And this is the joy question. 
Hello, Jeremy, Rafael. Um, this is my question for the Joy. Um, and my question is, what's the speculative technology you're most excited about? Um, for example, for me, is brain rendering of images and sounds. Like, you remember these helmets that you were able to control a little ball with your head just thinking about it or that you could you could control a mouse pointer or something like that it was very basic but i can imagine how that could be escalated to being able to for example think of a sound and that sound would be rendered in an audio software and then you can modify the sound with your brain that would be amazing for me uh, so yeah what's your most anticipated technology in that sense so technologies that we're excited about. Yeah. I, Speculative. The first thing I immediately think of is I saw some news about nuclear fusion. Oh, that, really? That's getting that's better. the first thing you think of? Yeah. Uh, to me, that's the, the fundamental everything. Like, I don't know what's bigger than that. Like, uh, it, it, well, just because, like, it's not a... I, would it... I mean, I thought you would ground it in, like, your creative practice. But I guess... No. But it, 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 well, it... You could, you could make as... You could mint as many... You know, ETH. Yeah, but it's it's, it's like it, it would. I'm hope. I just like that thing in Back to the Future where you put yeah. a banana peel in the car and it can run for uh, uh, hours or weeks or whatever. But this idea of infinite energy. Yeah, but this this idea of removing guilt and anxiety of like, oh, we're born in sin. We want all these things, but they're bad for the planet. And uh, mm. yeah. The problem, though, like generally with those things is like anytime. Hey, we have to go like with a, the problems. Well, I'm just saying like, you know, how they invented vegan leather or whatever. I was reading an article about like, well, actually, like there's all these cow hides now just like sitting there kind of going to waste. And vegan leather never deteriorates. It lasts like a million years because it's just plastic. Right. So. But you know, yeah. But how does that apply to nuclear fusion? It, like you'll probably use it to create um, like more plastics. I don't know. Like you'll you'll create like a plastic house with your extra energy. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, I see. Um, and yeah, like we we'll find a way to offset it. Like it's like you know when they add more lanes on the highway, the problem is like more people drive and then traffic gets worse again. Like there's a a concept of so the just basic the problem capacity. is too many people. Well, if you if you think about it from a capacity standpoint, it's a human psychology thing too, right? Like no existing alternatives will be generated. If there's no constraints, you'll just consume more. Well, it, like, yeah, it's a good point that uh, with this question of ex technology that excites us, there's the deep philosophical idea of progress. But then you could say, like, are we really any better off with Netflix or a campfire? Like, is that really progress? Well, I, yeah, I'd rather not think about it in terms of like a, per a, a linear progression. Cause you no, no, have, but you're saying any, any yeah. invention you do fixes one problem and then creates another. Or it like it's circular in some way. Yeah. Like you, you'll end up in a similar place to where you started, but with different. But that's uh, not problems. true. Like I, I don't think we're in a similar place to twenty thousand years ago. It's just. Uh, it's true. I was reading this interview with Bill Gates, and he was like getting angry at the interviewer, which I'm not familiar with. Like this was in like Wired magazine, but Bill Gates. Do you think of him as like an angry person? Oh, I could see him being vicious in his business days, but now he he has a lot of PR help. He was like. 
you stupid idiot. Human beings are much better off than they were a hundred years ago. <laughs> like he was, the the author was kind of being me and yeah. being like tempering his excitement. And then yeah, Bill yeah. Gates is like, no, it's so much better. Blah blah blah. And he's like, didn't we just like you warned about a pandemic? Didn't we just go through a pandemic? He's like, yeah. Look, we figured it all out. Um, but whenever whenever look. I see movies <laughs> or period pieces of 100, 150 years ago, I just imagine everything being damp and cold. All the From clothes. Fifty years ago. I mean, Bill Gates. That fifty years ago got started, and you know, if we think about what he was speculating about in the seventies, it was like personal computers. The idea that you would have your own computer. Everyone would have a computer on their desk. Yeah. And uh, but that yeah, it's true. Very quickly, and then it <laughs> stayed but true But as far forever. as as um, uh, current creative technologies that exist, all that stuff. Yeah. Well, what? Are, yeah, what am I excited about? Yeah, you know what's funny? The one that Intel mentioned of um, thought-controlled computing. So yeah, very. I, I was I involved in with, with a startup here in Toronto very very early on. Like he mentioned, you know, thinking and you could move a ball up or down. So like, probably like ten or fifteen years ago, I worked with a company here in Toronto, and they were like, they asked me to make a demo from. They had this technology, like they they had worked on, and so basically it was like. Um, a pair of headphones that had like little dots that went on your forehead. Well, that sounds like it was it was made for you. That's yeah, like your character. Like, well, yeah. So they're like, "Can you make a fun video with this?" Yeah. And I did. I made a video. I presented at the new museum actually. Um, and but it was so limited. Like it could only tell at the time between focus and relaxed states. Yeah. Um, and you, but you could get pretty good at. At moving between you can the two practice states. it, yeah, yeah. So I was able to create like a a drawing program that used focused and relaxed states and the sound of my voice to get like so I could plot. Well, a the, point yeah. In what's What's interesting is that every now and then there are new uh, visual technologies that can help uh, new yeah. ways of depicting things, new ways of recording things. So <clears> the <throat> photo camera, the the lead pencil, all kinds of things. Yeah. painted tubes, all these inventions. And it would be interesting to go back to the ones that were promising, but that turned out not to be useful. Uh, yeah. Because uh, yeah, VR has well, that's been one promised of the ones us a million kind of times. Out for a long. But and 3D the, TV can, and movies and uh, yeah. 3D movies have been marketed at us and haven't really taken off and they don't really make sense with storytelling. And so, that's a good example. Um, not to be a negative Nancy, uh, sorry, did I offend anyone? Uh, Nancy, probably. Yeah, but but <laughs> I, 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 you know, I've been around for a while working with technology, and I've seen a few things come and go. And like cameras on the phone getting better is definitely a plus. Like, I, I I love that if I'm excited about something, I can share it with the world in a pretty good resolution, and that's better than twenty years ago. Um, yeah. So, you're, are you saying though that my thought, like, because I was about to say, like, I think this thought-controlled computing thing is actually getting exciting. Yeah, yeah. But, few... but the, when I uh, 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 here's uh, blah, 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 blah. what I was trying to say is like VR, AI, all this stuff. I just haven't been excited about because it's so easy to do with your hand. Just, I just don't know what I would draw with the brain interface that I can't do with oh, my I hand. And that that's my um, point. And the same point with VR. I'm just not that interested in this Walkman on your eyeballs? Mm -hmm. I don't know. It, it, I'm just not excited about it. It, it. it seems... Have you done very much VR, though? 
Do, do you have a headset? Yeah, we have an Oculus and we never use it. But um, we were going to record an episode in VR, and that would this would have been the ideal occasion. Yeah, but if you're asking me what I'm excited, that's why I said nuclear fusion. Like that just seems more interesting. Okay, you immediately went to like save the planet, and I'm like. It would be cool if I could lift a ball with my brain. Yeah, <laughs> um, but I. But think like, like, for it, example, the the yeah. the same thing with the Wii. Like, that was a thing for artists for a while. I still don't really like it. I like the mouse, and I like touchscreens. I don't know. But I don't think that what was it like Inton's excitement for thought control computing is not what you think. It was not for. It was not about like there's a certain. No, I know he wants to. He wants to image his thoughts directly without the. Without having to go through like either a mechanical or language, uh, well, without barrier, abstraction, right? basically. Yeah, but yeah, but to or me, to that's what, that's what's interesting. And it, well, mm-hmm. if you look at my work, the whole point of me is like I look at a tree and then think like, oh, with how many, how far can I reduce that? And so the idea mm-hmm. of then having a fuzzy image for my brain is just not so interesting. I think we talked about this like way, 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 way back. Like like early, early in the podcast, I was like. That's not what thought controlled computing's all about. What I what it's about is thought controlled computing connected to the internet. That's what you should be excited about, which is we talked about a little bit last episode, which is like if you mix AI and thought controlled computing, you now have like you can have an artificial neuron or an AI neuron and a biological neuron communicating. Then you could connect that to every other person's brain and every other AI to create a super consciousness wrath. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> and the artwork that that sure super consciousness would create. <laughs> and guess what? You That AI would create the best painting of dogs playing pool you'd ever seen. I think yeah. we, I mean, obviously we were talking about Dali last week. I think it's now open. Anyone can kind of get their hands on yeah. it. But I still think it's not, exciting because it's not a connected or social experience so once you get a social brain or social kind of well, think you, of like you, you um, could see a dolly whiteboard that is a shared whiteboard and people could just start writing stuff and you make a big collage collectively jamming on top of like yeah oh yeah take the last input and add and make it red yeah. or like more strawberries more clouds yeah. yeah that would be fun I'd, I'd i'd pay to see that but but to, like, me, to me, the whole point of being an artist is the translation. Uh-huh. So it's always about you're in the world, you're, uh, you have all kinds of inputs, you have your brain, you have your personality, you have your thoughts, and then you go to your medium and you bring all your experiences to that medium. And so I guess this is another input device and another tool, but... Yeah, but this yeah. is where you and I differ a little bit, which is like... I typically try and pick up whatever's newest. Yeah, yeah. And like, cause, but you, like, it, it's not that you don't, cause you do experiment technically as well, but you do have some constraints. Like you rarely move into the 3D cause you, you've said 3D is like a lifestyle, right? Yeah. And I'm like, and, but I, I started in 3D, so I'm like, well, I'm not going back, right? <laughs> yeah, no, no. Of course, everybody has a different thing. Yeah. But but uh, maybe that's why I'm not so interested in VR. Yeah. But in terms of like other network technologies did, or yeah. other ways of did working. You see, did you see this article about some Google employee that was his job or her job was to talk to the AI and the AI started saying like, yeah. I'm a human being? Yeah, and then it was like I have to fight to save this AI. Yeah, <laughs> like, this it sounds AI like a movie script. Free. But it then I, I immediately thought like, 
why is it still so hard to change a calendar appointment with the voice assistants? It always, and I guess Siri is kind of stupid, but... Um, okay, so the main problem with most of the internet is it's like most applications originally are, when you build them, they're built like a monolith, which is to say they're not like, there's no way to interface with them. They're like kind of a black box and they operate kind of like with no input or output outside of the UX or UI that the designer might build. And then in the back end, there's like a database that people can query and make calls to. That's a very long-winded way of saying that there's versions of software that are locked. Yeah, well, that's how a lot of software starts as it like people race to build it. And yeah. then like every software, every engineer wants to evolve software to be API driven and they typically break the monolith up into smaller pieces which comprise microservices and then there's like on top of the microservices you build an API which then like other means that that software can talk to other software but you know like in terms of getting all of the software to talk to one another so that your calendar appointment can work someone everyone would have to get together and decide on like a standard for time and calendaring but they wouldn't want to do that because then they would be locked into that like stable state of calendaring, and there'd be no room to innovate in the calendar world. No, no, but, but this the, does happen. wasn't the whole goal of these voice assistants that they would understand yeah, yeah. you? Yeah. But I'm, what I'm saying is, I'm trying to get to. It's a long way of way of saying there is a new standard that just recently got announced this year for smart homes, as an example, where they now all like share the same common language for all the devices I think in your you're home not I think you're not getting my point mm-hmm. I think my point is that Google keeps doing these amazing demos where you're like yeah. holy shit this is unbelievable like that that a tool that you could make reservations with a restaurant if they don't have a Yelp interface oh so where it, it, was like it would AI call the restaurant call it's like hello yeah. I am calling on behalf of yeah. Jeremy Bailey and everybody <laughs> just hangs up no I, they, I'll, it was successful the whole thing for me is like I'll, I'll believe it when it works it's funny though that like, we haven't used that. Like, I mean, I'm obviously I'm on an iPhone, so maybe that's why I haven't used it. But I've, I haven't heard any friends no, say like, nobody. "Oh my god, I no. tried the dinner reservation thing," because that. But obviously, it's ridiculous. Who calls a restaurant yeah. to get reservations? <laughs> like everyone would prefer <laughs> some dials to say, "Oh, there's no table at seven. Let's look at seven I haven't used the phone to like confirm something in like a decade. No, and so. this whole <laughs> emphasis on voice seems very strange. Like it. it most of the time we're trying to avoid voice. It's just, yeah. Well, that's because of two, there's like, so there's kind of a school of thought of AR. The AR revolution might come as a pair of headphones for your eyes, like you said earlier, or it already exists as ear pods. Yeah. Or AirPods rather, right? Like that, like so, the movie Her. Yeah. yeah, like the movie Her, which is my favorite movie. I think one of my favorite movies ever. It seems not, a very plausible future. It's just far enough ahead in the future, and that's kind of like where I want to. Li- I like to live, and I love. And actually, the, so you, that you want the high waisted pants. I love the pants. Yeah. <laughs> I also, by the way, like that's a good example of what I was talking about earlier, where like the AI is actually having millions of conversations at the same time with different people and holding the, you know, there there's a sort of kind of like hive mind happening in that movie. Also. Um, I think just the aesthetic of the film in general is like paints a picture of the future that's not just believable, but it seems pleasant, even though they're all sad. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That, is, but that's like, that whole vibe of the... There was that book and exhibition, The Beautiful Losers, and yeah. there are all these skateboard-related artists. Yeah. And they all seem to have done very well 
all of them they're like oh yeah we all have deals with big companies and we all have studios and we're all happy and everything's working really well but i'm still sad <laughs> <laughs> it's funny yeah i guess emo that was a whole thing for yeah. a long time yeah 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 and the soundtrack now that i think about it in that movie is pretty emo um but they also kind of made it they looked at the future through kind of a retro lens, right? Like the device is like a little cigarette case. Yeah, no. Um, and, and also this idea of handwritten typography as the movie titles and quirky animations, it's sort of a Michel Gondry future. Yeah. Well, the, like the, the UI for the operating system that's in that film and for our listeners who haven't seen the film, just go watch it. It's like, you won't regret it, but um, was not done by anyone that had ever worked in UX or UI. It was done by an illustrator. Yeah. And I loved it for that reason. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. it like you can't go to someone that's working with existing technology and ask them imagine the future. I I get like I've had this experience so many times in my work life where I've gone to the team and I just had it recently again. Like a, a colleague was like, I don't get it. Like the designers are not willing to push ahead of where they've been. And there is it is generally difficult to imagine yeah anything new did, like, did i tell the story of meeting spike jones no that's a real like power play right yeah there. uh so mike d from the beastie boys was curating a show in the mocha la oh yes which, story. which oh did i tell it on the podcast i don't think so maybe you told me personally okay tell it again but then it was controversial because it was actually Mercedes that rented the museum for a month to organize a show, and so he curated it, it which is weird, you know, just a brand co-opting a museum, but okay, whatever. Well, I was like, that was then. Yeah. And then Mike D <laughs> was working with a friend of mine, and he's like, oh, did, have you seen BYOB, that Raphael Rosen now organizes these projector, projection events? He's like, oh, that's cool. And so I was going to do that, and Mike D was curing it, which is already an amazing dude, so... Uh, happy to meet him and then he's like oh there's some friends of mine coming over one is a filmmaker uh, maybe you've heard of him and spike jones like oh shit so but you you told me you hadn't heard of him no no no. i of course i've heard of spike jones so i'm like oh it's an honor to meet you and i used to look at your movies and we actually recreated some of his movies with home video like the beastie boys videos and stuff like when i was 15 anyways I'm talking to this other guy and he's like, yeah, we're shooting a film together. And I'm like, oh, oh, that's cool. And we're just talking and walking through the exhibition. And I had no idea who he was. And I'm like, oh, do you work in movies? He's like, yeah, yeah, I, I dabble. And he's like, oh, what are you, a producer? No, 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 I act. We're, we're shooting this film now. And so it was Joaquin Phoenix I was talking oh, to that's for, right. for half an hour. <laughs> but he had a mustache right. and uh, glasses. I really didn't recognize him. But I always thought celebrities must like it when they're not recognize so. mm. yeah i do wonder though when actors are in like science fiction like that whether they're like in her whether it, they're yeah it, how, the, how they channel the emotional state yeah 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 yeah, yeah. but he it's he seemed like he was himself he wasn't the character he was really just talking about mm. all kinds of stuff and yeah well anyway so the technology that i'm most excited about i think is still controlled computing and then AR is the one that I've been I've satirized my entire career but I've also been most excited about and more than ever I'm starting to get excited because um, geolocative and web AR is becoming slightly better and, and <laughs> meaning do you see the the head heads up display becoming big 
Mm, I don't really care. Like, that's going to be 10 years away forever. Why? Like, um, because it's really hard to do well, you know, um, and because you have to interface with, like, the human eye, and that's where the thought-controlled stuff is more exciting because it would be a better interface to just skip the eyeball entirely mm, mm. and go directly into the brain. I always thought with the thought-controlled thing that the idea of privacy becomes very complicated. Yes, we've talked about that. Yeah. <laughs> it would be like, oh, shit. You're like thinking about murdering your teacher or something, and it raises a flag or whatever thought I, you have. Yeah. yeah. I think you get into minority report territory. You know, like uh, what people think about their bosses. Yeah, <laughs> You had an unkind thought. It's true, but maybe we'd have to be our more authentic selves. It would issue like would there'd be like an era oh of extreme authenticity. <laughs> oh and, boy! No, yeah, you'd <laughs> you'd be like, well, I guess I'm just a hedonist. <laughs> yeah. I got, I don't have a ch- like. Look, I'm not going to lie to you. I can't lie. Yeah. So that is an like, interesting premise for a film where people are completely unfiltered. That there's no way of lying. That I think they've used that as like a device in films forever. Well, Ricky like Gervais had a movie. Yeah. Ricky Gervais had a movie where there was an alternate universe where no one can lie, and he was the only one that could lie. I think the bigger issue is that it presumes that no one could lie and then change their mind and learn. Like, yeah. like yeah. you would lie a few times and you'd be like, hmm, that doesn't work. You might change, like, and then the next time you might actually authentically or sincerely think differently. Yeah. Um, so regardless, like, um, I think it would work out. Like, I think the feedback loop, you'd have all your failure between zero and 10 years of age. That would be brutal. Yeah. That'd just be like the worst. Cause you'd be like your first sexual thoughts, any, like all the bad thoughts you have, th- there would be no closeted of anything. Right. Like, and, and so if society wasn't ready for it, I would it love it if, if there were public thoughts of people who tend to pretend that they know best for others and that the, the, the do good people that say like, you should do this and this and this and be a good citizen. And it turns out they have the nastiest thoughts and yeah. Yes, you're always fantasizing that about me, I know. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) One day. (laughs) I was like, gotcha. Yeah, you're like a a Fox News troll in secret. (laughs) Oh, boy. But uh, you should just like hang out with my family a little bit more and you'll find out. (laughs) Yeah. We're, We're at the half hour mark, so maybe we can do the other question. Okay, so there's a bunch of technologies that we didn't even talk about. Like, okay, can I just drop a few yeah, like, in, for sure. in rapid succession? Like, okay, here, you have to pick five and I'll pick five. Okay, my five are, I can't believe this didn't come up. Electric flight, come on, mm. guilt-free flying, yep. you'd love that. Okay, another one would be, we mentioned AR, um, so that's gone. Uh, then, what? It, okay, you go next. I'm going to think of my I, I want to think of a technology that... Um, Somehow, by doing computer work, you get uh, you get very muscular or strong or healthy. Some oh. some combo that, like, imagine it's like, oh, he seems to spend a lot of time online. He looks good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, my next one is like anti or reverse aging, which they recently like reverse aged mice. I think when I was a kid, it was worms, and oh. now they're up to mice. I'm not so excited. I, I like, like I like that we age. Well, and you're, die. no dogs are going to be next. Aren't you excited to reverse age your dog? No, yeah. I think it's fine. I, I like the whole process of dying. I, I think it's good. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, yeah. What's your next one? What's my next one would be? Yeah, teleportation would be pretty awesome. But I, I figured then all of a sudden the beaches would be overcrowded. Uh, yeah. We basically have teleportation. 
But I, I oh man, travel so. got really bad. It's even worse now. Quantum computing, though, if you're going to talk teleportation, is the closest thing that I can imagine being feasible. Yeah. But like, yeah, just like you have an idea, it doesn't. There's no computational limit. Just materializes. Yeah, my, my the whole idea of a circular economy of of things being completely recyclable, like turning into dust and then turning back into a 3D printer, and that idea. It, to me, that's a, like a, a North Star, whatever you call it, like a direction. Like this, that's I, something you want? It just, se- <laughs> it just seems the way nature is. Like, so, I see, yeah. yeah. It is just carbon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so if, if we can somehow, technology just basically has to get at the level of refinement of, of uh, a forest. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then um, I, I'm, I'm definitely not, space travel is not on my list. No, I don't um, care about it either. Yeah, it, so. it, it's always weird when they talk about terraforming the moon, and I'm like, why don't we terraform the Sahara? Yeah, or I'd actually like to visit the Sahara first. Yeah, <laughs> before I decide. This before it's gentrified. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! They opened uh, a Starbucks here. Yeah, but I do think like um, solar energy and solar cars. Like, there's a bunch yeah. of solar cars about yeah. to come out. I'm excited about there's that. There's one like, in the, the Netherlands pushing the solar car thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, there's a, and there's a company in the US, so that's exciting to me. Well, that's back yeah. to the circular theme. Like, oh, the, there's plenty of energy coming from the sky, and why don't we mm-hmm. use it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then finally, I am, and this is our segue, I think, I hope. Um, I am sincerely excited about platform cooperativism, a.k.a. Web3, a.k.a. decentralized uh, internet. Yeah, so. I, I, I wouldn't bet on any technology working out for the little guy. Like, I don't think it ever has. Well, because venture capital is still involved. Yeah, and they're and they're betting on owning the protocols, and I, it, it it's it, I remember when the internet came out, and the people said, "Oh, this is going to bring everyone closer together, and people will have more empathy around the world." And it actually worked polarizing. So this this projecting your wishes onto a blank technology. Mm. I I'm excited about it for personal reasons. Like I like this idea that we can have digital ownership of art. So that is good for me, but it the internet becoming less corporate? I'm not sure. Yeah. All right. Well, then let's get on to a, a practical question. Then should we listen to? Yeah. <laughs> I just like you just like bum me out on that one because I I honestly before crypto was be, become a thing, I was like the technology exists today for any any group of people to get together and build their own platform. Yeah, they just and have to pay server costs. Yeah. They just yeah exactly they just have to pay server costs like it's basically you there's no the no code movement now actually maybe is the one I'd throw in as exciting like there's yeah, a like a modular toward, startup and you just <clears throat> yeah here's the host well, here's the login there's all these apps now yeah. there's even like an app that like takes the spreadsheet as a concept for programming <clears throat> which I think you'd love <clears throat> and you can like make a whole app inside of it um, but that's how I started in programming so I think like that being available to more people yeah. is just a very yeah. exciting thing yeah. No, but I, I, I do agree that interoperability and, and decentralized has a lot of advantages of more smaller companies, but I still have a gut feeling it's the internet itself was decentralized in the beginning and it turned out at, at large scale, you do need Amazon cloud storage and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So it's not like everybody has a little server running in their attic. Well, they kind of do, actually. Like, 
your phone is a server. Yeah. Like, I mean, your Apple TV is like a server or whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, let's uh, let's get on to the second question that Intan uh, sent in. Hello, Jeremy, Raphael. Um, my question for fear is, how would you translate a successful NFT digital artist career into a traditional art world career? I, I, I'm asking this because I think it's kind of funny. You've talked about the other way, but I've been thinking I, I personally make a living out of NFTs, off of NFTs, and I'm doing pretty well, I think, for me. <laughs> I'm, I feel pretty well. Uh, I'm, it's 100% of my income. But I wonder sometimes if, if things would be better on the other side and if maybe that could be better in the long term. I don't know. So, well, yeah. Well, thank you, Intan, for the second question. I love this word, traditional art world. It's such an insult. <laughs> to who? To the traditional art world. Like, it, to be called traditional is to the biggest... It's like you're old and fat and lazy. Well, first of all, in the traditional art world, they used to have people in the art world saying, well, in the traditional art world. And they're in the traditional art world. So it's like, yeah. it's a staircase. But it's basically it's- calling someone old. Yeah, I guess so. You're old-fashioned. Like, like, that's the, it's a quick way to get to to make people that are in power feel powerless. Well, it, it's funny because Intan is one of the lucky ones, apparently, who can make a living off of digital art, which mm-hmm. was always the dream. Yeah, so congrats. Yeah. That's amazing. And the thing is, even very famous artists, like really that have museum shows all over the place, are still teaching, are still barely breaking even because the studio is so expensive. So if you can comfortably make a living without the costs of physical work and without the overhead of supporting an ecosystem that takes percentages off of you, like galleries or curators or whatever, it's, you're, you're so far. I, I listened to an interview with a TikTok comedian and he was talking about, the interviewer said, would you want to do a movie, like a traditional movie? Because he has a huge audience on TikTok and he's like, well, a movie takes like three, four months to do. I would lose my TikTok audience and, and I would make in a week what they would pay me for the movie for three, four months. Yeah. So that to me illustrates that there is that um, stature of films, of cinema being like the peak of storytelling traditionally. Mm-hmm. But then he's like, what? The numbers don't add up. Yeah, but <clears throat> like in um, e-commerce a few years ago, there was this... You know, it used to be you had to sell things on Etsy or eBay or whatever, right? And then Shopify came along and people like started hosting their own stores, right? Uh, and then, you know, people were like, well, how do I get people to my store? And it became obvious that you, well, you had to advertise or you had to create like a channel. Um, and this is like business 101, but they're like, okay, well, what do I do? I'll, well, I'll run like, uh, I'll have like a Facebook group and then they'll be like, okay, that worked, but I want more. They'll be like, well, you have to create another channel. You'll have to do like an Instagram, you know, and you'll have to do Instagram advertising and build a community there. And then if you want more, you're going to have to do like a TikTok thing. And then in e-commerce became like the idea of a multi-channel or what's called omni-channel strategy became the norm. Like you had to do like email, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and you couldn't rely on just one channel. Now, this has always been true in business. Like, you need multiple channels and every channel 
wears out. This is like the rule. Like as soon as you, you can exhaust a channel eventually because people are just like enough already with the thing. Right. And so you have to like go find another group and another pathway to those customers, which is what a channel is. Um, so I think like, why would you say like, why would you, no, no, I, do you have to switch? Like, yeah. could you not do both? I guess. Well, but it's, the reason I brought it up is, of course, it's fun to do gallery shows and physical work and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's it's so funny because it the in the before times, it was always the ideas you make you have a a practice that's either performance or multimedia that doesn't make money, and then you have to make physical works to make a living. That was always yeah. the, the the way, and now it's the opposite. It's like I, I know a few <laughs> NFT artists are like, yeah, I'm making all these millions with NFTs, but I just can't get into the galleries. And mm. it, it's it's a very bizarre, totally upside down model. That's why. Well, you know what it's I funny keep meaning is curators who want to prove to the traditional art world that there's good art in the NFT world, and they're like, you know, which by the way is not an insult to NFTs because we know there are good artists and good art in the NFT space, but the, there's a segment of the traditional art world that believes it's like a morass of like you know, yeah, but isn't, the frog isn't that things. exciting? Yeah, the the idea that the tastes haven't been uh, set in stone, mm-hmm. like uh, no, this idea I, that I, good yeah. taste hasn't arrived yet, and that it's this wild west. That's well, to me that's yeah. exciting. Well, so you are seeing, and there have been several shows, um, and I guess I'm having com- studio visits with people who are saying to me like, and I'm not even like a big NFT artist, right? Like they should be talking to Intan and you, and I'm sure they are, but like I want to, we want to do this show about this. And we want to show the world that there are real artists, quote unquote, I know this is dangerous language, right, that are working in NFTs and that we're also not doing NFTs. So there's, there is this like kind of, there's a push towards the traditional art world. Well, I wonder if this was similar when the recording artists started recording folk songs and pop music and rock and roll happened. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, I hope the the opera house will respect us and that one day we'll be able to play in the opera house because then you're a yeah, real but musician. Like, that's a great example. But then, point. you know, there's that Chuck Berry song, uh, Roll Over Beethoven. It's like, you know, instead of being like, please love me, you should be like, go fuck yourself. I'll create my own thing. I, I just think... I guess. Yeah. But it's funny because like every pop star eventually gets to the point where they have like a philharmonic. Yeah. Like the, Cole- Metallica with like, the philharmonic. Yeah. Yeah. With like the huge orchestra. Yeah. Like, We've like made I remember it. doing... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Beck had this like crazy... Did you ever see that Beck experience online where it was like binaural no. audio surrounded by a symphony? Okay. It's like Beck in the center. Run out of so, ideas. Yeah. I think it's just it, like... It's funny. Can, it's like any, yeah. any experimental band, uh, pop band, and at some point they're like... What should we do? Well, let's do the classical music collab, <laughs> and let's do the Christmas album. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Because they've run out of channels. No, but I, run I, out of I, all all jokes aside, all power aside, all those things are funny. That the things are upside down and uh, it, it, in reverse, all this stuff. But to me, the core of it is always the the work itself, the creative interest. So there is a thing that maybe you've been working on the. Sc- a feeling that I had. I'd been working on the screen for 12 years and I just mm. arrived at this lenticular material and it, it was just very interesting. And I was like, I, oh, I shouldn't do physical work that I'm breaking with my purity. But then I was like, this is really interesting. I just can't stop looking at it. And that's, I think that's the only real reason to do anything. It's like you see something and you just want it to exist and then it finds its place. Like, that's really, 
I, I don't think you should be like, oh, I should make work that fits this context. Or that con- It should just be, I just have to make this work. I guess so, but I kind of disagree because I think you, or at least I do, I'll take, I'll have ideas for work and I'm like, Ugh, it's not the right, I don't really know where to put this. Like, it's not the right time or the context doesn't feel right. And then sometimes like a context walks in the door. I'm like, this would be perfect for that. And and I mean, I I have the same thing. Like I've always wanted to do a screensaver exhibition. And then I was talking to someone and they wanted to put together the digital art show. And I was like, oh, I have this idea. And it fits. Yeah. That's what you mean? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, there's, there's nothing wrong with having a laboratory and you have like you have a fridge full of ingredients. And then when it's time for to make a gazpacho, you're like, oh, I have tomatoes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's one way it happens for me, though, like. I, w- I had one of my earliest kind of professors was a sculpture teacher who is like asked an important question, which is like, you know, what's more important than context? Because, you know, what she was able to demonstrate for me is like, if you that put to a me banana, is, is, is a, exactly the mentality of the before times and why the art world fails. Yeah. In yeah. Well, let's space. talk about it. Yeah. Because like you put a banana on a wall at Basel and, and it's, it's different than putting a banana on the wall in the subway. Yeah. Or at the grocery store. Yeah. Right. And so, like, yeah, that is a basic but that, that to me is basically the idea of contextual privilege. And it, it's the idea that some people have access to the big white room that other people don't. Mm-hmm. And the big white room is always a room in an expensive neighborhood without furniture. That's the formula well, yeah, of the art yeah. world. So who gets the keys to the, that door? And because the keys are limited, it's like, it's cool to do even less. It's like, wow, you got away. Yeah, you only yeah, put that, one pebble what, in the giant room. Wow, that's you're the, really that kind of the dico- That's the kind of the dichotomy version of it, like where it's like, we're, we're, like it's like grassroots versus white, uh, like the top like down ivory tower. Yeah. yeah, but like at the time when when I was in school, my teacher was like, no, no, like there are all these spaces that are not gallery spaces. That you can do site-specific but installation then for. But now we're in the internet where there is no context. It's just everything. What do you mean? That internet is a context. Like, And within the internet, yeah. there are many sub-contexts, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Like if I did something on Reddit, it's going to be different than if I did on 4 Well, I, I don't I agree did... with that. Like I've always made my work that... It works on Reddit just as well as anywhere else. It can be on Reddit. It can be on Times Square. It can be in the Met. Like Literally, you yeah. could show the same work in all those places and it should just work. Like that's mm-hmm. always been my way of working. I think you're very specific. Yeah, you. That's a very specific way of working for you. But yeah, like, but that, I see that similar to music. You don't think like, oh, I made this song and it should only be played in the Guggenheim. Like, that's stupid. Well, lots of people did that. Like, there are like the Guggenheim is literally famous for artists coming into the Guggenheim and saying, "I need to address this." Context. No, I know, but uh, but the Beatles didn't make a song that you can only play in the Guggenheim. But there are lots of artists that have made Guggenheim-specific works that can't be seen anywhere I know, else. but visual art, but not music. Like You shouldn't write oh, a see. song that only works in a certain location. That's stupid. Yeah, but you just admitted that you could do it for visual art. It would make sense. No, I didn't admit that. I'm saying that, that that's lazy. <laughs> it's like, oh, I make work that can only function in the gallery. I don't know if it's lazy. It's really hard to do well. I well think. I'm taking like, a certain position now. Like I'm, yeah. I, I don't agree with it. All the way, but, I know, this, but is a, it, this is a true disagreement on good. Point yeah, right here. <laughs> but I think that there is a corruption of laziness where the the access to the fancy exhibition space is what I call contextual privilege. So who do you give the contextual privilege? 
and then it becomes a game of what can I get away with, which is yeah, fine. That's fine. It's a game, you yeah. know, and it, it, it went on for about 150 years. It's fine. It's just... But I'll give you an example from yeah. like a show that I that I had, like a real show, where it was in kind of a dirtier, messier gallery in Berlin where there was like a lot of mud that came in the door because there was like dirt outside the gallery and there was no mat to clean your feet. <laughs> um, and when there was a mat, it got like too covered in mud. And then I did a show of carpets in this gallery. And so like I was like, okay, the carpets are going to get dirty. So I'm going to show up to the opening as a robot vacuum cleaner. And I and I was in the like I controlled my robot vacuum cleaner. I cleaned during the opening. I was doing actual vacuuming of the floors while also socializing with people. Yeah. I I wouldn't do the same thing in a pristine gallery. I actually yeah, it's funny cuz I remember this band that played and they made a big point out of not being rock stars, so they would mop the floor after the show. <laughs> so it's yep. it's very yeah. similar but in the in a DIY music context. Uh but yeah, I think yeah, it's like the a same punk emotion. Music band doesn't make sense at the Guggenheim maybe as an example like in theory. Yeah. Well, and, and another example of context, one of my first websites is these these two hands with pull my finger and a fart sound. Yeah. And I really made that work with the idea that it would be at its best seen in a, a fancy museum environment because that it would clash the most with the context. Mm-hmm. It, it it works fine on the internet, but the internet is full of jokes, so it's it's kind of at its place, but it would be very uncomfortable in a museum. And still yeah. to this day no one no curator ever asked me to show that work. Well, we got to buy a museum and make it. Yeah. <laughs> but but this obsession with like, oh, it, your brand is not real until you've had a Super Bowl commercial or those kind of yeah, old yeah, world yeah. Uh, verifications. I think if you make work, if you make sculpture or you make large paintings and they, they need to be in a certain space, I don't know, but I, I think... No, okay. I think you're making a good point, which is like getting back to the root of Intan's question, like, do, you know, if you are going to transition back, should you worry or do you, well, actually, I think you're making the argument, do you need to? And my point is like, why well, for not? what re- Yeah, but for me, it's, it's uh, it, let's say that your work just is best experienced on a big LED wall in a dark room, then mm-hmm. that's something you should do. But not necessarily in a museum, but you should... Yeah, but you might even be like thinking two steps ahead here. Like, what if someone ha- has started their career online making NFTs? And like, I've had these conversations with people who are like, how do I get my first gallery show? Now no, you're no, saying no, but it, you don't even want a gallery show. No, no, no. It's, it's more, to me, th- there's a step before the gallery show, before you ask for permission and all these things. Mm-hmm. It's what is the best place for the work and maybe visualize it yourself in a in a space like maybe a friend has an abandoned home or they're moving out of let's say you have a friend who's moving out of a house and you organize a show for a night and yeah. it's documented i'm saying you have to show what you want to show like you have to make it real or maybe maybe fake it in a mock up but um oh no okay so start practicing in physical space yeah yeah and and yeah. and but you should do it because the work itself wants to be in that format, not because you you're looking for compliments or you want yeah, you yeah, want yeah, the yeah. Academy Award. It couldn't be done in any other way. Like, yeah, no. And I did do um, like some of my first shows were in restaurants and in people's homes. And for me, though, that was like what you said earlier. It's like I wanted to get my work in front of any person. Yeah, like yeah. 
I was like, it should be, it should work in a restaurant as well as it, in a house as as a gallery, right? And I was that was my philosophy at the time, um, what, and I what, was really gung ho on that. Here's an example of of uh, the physical presentation of the work. So I I had been making websites and I'd shown them in galleries and and a little bit, you know, for ten years, also in public space, and then the gallery asked me we're doing an art fair, can you think of how to display a website at an art fair? And I didn't really like it on a single screen, and it was too expensive to get multiple screens, so we did a projector, but there's too much light. It was just a bad place for moving images. And then through the new museum, they did a collaboration with Calvin Klein, and they're like, we're doing this fashion show, and then opposite of that building, there's the largest screen in Asia, and do you want to show your work on this screen? I'm like, yeah. And so it's funny that the brand had a more interesting question than the, the gallery. So we tend to think mm. of the gallery as the entrance to the art world and all these things. But if their model, if they don't benefit from you and you don't benefit from them, like it just doesn't fit, then you're struggling squeezing your work into a funnel that's not really the best place for your work. Yeah. And the, and you're kind of there's another first step that we forgot to mention and and it's another contextual kind of step which is typically you're not going to get a solo show as your first show. Um you're going to show with other artists and there I think there's an underlying assumption that like you'll just people will pull you into a random group of people that but that rarely happens. Usually Artists tend to cluster in like styles or yeah. communities. But or you bring up a good movements. point because it's really the same on Twitter. Like you follow different people and that feed is your context and you're in a discord together. And I think a lot of uh, traditional artists struggle to find their context in the digital world. Like, oh, how do I get the word out to the right people? And so one of the things you learn in, in the online world is treat the medium natively. Don't mm. don't link to a post outside of Twitter. Show the content within Twitter or TikTok or Instagram, whatever. Don't ask people to click and click through and go to your thing. No, no. go where the eyeballs are. And mm -hmm. so the art world, you know how you you have to do things native to the medium. So don't try to make TV and NFT like use the NFT medium as the NFT medium. Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to the gallery show, you should maybe also think like, oh, what what is the work that best it creates the best experience in the gallery without knowing that it was an NFT. Yeah. I'm just saying also like on top of that, probably even before you do that, you're going to be coming at it. You're not going to do it alone. Like it's all, it's rarely alone. There's yeah. usually, you know, a group of other artists and a curator involved, but that curator never, it's like, it would be a really bad curator if they're just like, they weren't thinking about your relationship to the other artists. Um, and that doesn't mean you have to have a relationship, but there there's a like contextual relationship well, between you. I don't know. Yeah, I I love museums also for the concentrated viewing experience, but I feel like a lot of uh, why people operate in the art world is also this desperate need for being taken seriously, mm -hmm. which I'm I'm guilty of as well. And it feels it it's such a compliment when someone says, oh, th this work is insightful and it makes sense with these other works and I'm yeah. so glad you made this work. And somehow, uh, it, it's a very different emotion than selling and selling is very exciting too. Um, so I guess, 
basically the question is of Intel and he wants it all. Because making enough money to do what you want, that is already the dream. Like once you pass that station, that to me, everything else after that is a dessert. But you've already, you already have sustenance. Yeah, I feel like it just like, maybe this is like a super privileged thing to say, but it'll like, and probably Anton already knows this, like it'll just come, right? Like someone will say like, hey, have you thought about doing a physical show? Or would you like to be a part of this show? Well, it is an interesting then, question when the, the supply of artists has increased because of the decentralization and the permissionless. So, I don't know. I'm like in an NFT show with like 20 other artists and I think they're all NFT only and I'm the only one from the quote. Yeah, but I'm saying the, 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 the real estate of the digital is infinite. So you can, mm. there's room for everyone. But the real yeah. estate of the art world is limited. There's only that many art centers. So if you increase the oh, amount of artists digitally, uh, 5x, 10x, 20x, 100x, but the physical world's going to be more exclusive. Yeah, and, and if you don't, if they don't, the the art world, the the floor space is limited, it's, and it really is limited when you see what amount of a collection a museum can show. Mm, that's true. And and it, I, I think I brought this up before, but. Uh, museums are one of the few businesses that increase their inventory well they don't increase the viewing space so it, 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 they keep collecting and the percentage of works they can show keeps shrinking mm-hmm. I think that's why the, you'll see like virtual wings of museums yeah. over time yeah I, I've spoken to a few museum people that they're just trying to grasp the metaverse and they're like should we create a metaverse museum so we can show our entire collection and does that yeah. make sense and not right now. No. I was like, the audience <laughs> the is so small and you're going to spend so much money developing yeah. that? The answer is not right now. Yeah. But sometime or someday. Or you might like, yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting question. I don't think we actually are capable, to go back to Inton's original question around speculative technologies, I don't think we're capable of imagining the next state. Like, we wouldn't have been capable of imagining the current state with NFTs. Um which, by the way, is still just a tiny micro, micro section of all the activity, even in online or internet-based art, right? Like, yeah. And then you encompass that new media within that. Like, all new media art comprises the tiniest triangle of a pizza of the art world that's then even bigger within the physical world. I, too, I, I, think. I disagree there somewhat where you're... you're posing as if the traditional art world is the whole pie and the digital art world is one slice of it. Yeah, maybe. I, I think it's actually the opposite now. I think the... Well, how are you quantifying it? Though? Well, the view numbers. So if, if you see a TikTok influencer as an artist, which mm-hmm. if you see your practice, you could argue that any TikTok influencer is an artist. Yeah. They have so many more viewers than... Um, let's say... Let's say a really renowned space. Like, I think that's a bad argument. Because no, like, no, no. I'm, the, I'm saying like you have a space like the kitchen or uh, artist space in New York, right? Like mm-hmm. a critically acclaimed space with a certain audience and members and community. Yeah. And then you have, I don't know, I think online culture is just so large and so overwhelming that if we see, if we see the, the online viewing experience as an authentic experience, as an exhibition then the physical thing is niche and and 
the, no, the I, digital I kind space of agree. Like, the, yeah, people will often say like AR is a fringe technology, and then I'm like, do you know how many um, exactly filter activations there yeah. were? Like this AR is filter massive. This, last year? You you know better than anyone. Like software scales, it's it's very different. It, but that's where context mixes with intent, and so like if we're talking about art, though. I mean, there has to be artistic intent, uh, or is that really snobby of me to say? That is snobby, and it, and it, I think <laughs> there used to be these boundaries, and they don't make sense anymore because everyone's on Instagram. Like the Guggenheim is on Instagram, and Taylor Swift is on Instagram. We're all seeing everything next to each other, so mm-hmm. I think those boundaries make less and less sense. And um, I think museums are aware that there is this giant audience that. Uh, has to make the trip to the museum. They're interested in art. They're following artists on Instagram, but they might be shy to go to a physical museum. Okay, so by the, your estimation, like the attention economy is the qualifier for whether or not no, no, you're I, an artist? No, I, no. I don't even think of it hierarchically, but I don't mm. think the traditional art world is the entire pie and digital art is a part of it. I think now it's the opposite. That's okay. what I'm saying. I, I can, I can I think, see how I think, the argument makes sense. I think I really see things with scale and and this idea like to me it's like uh popular music versus the opera we don't think of popular music as a subset of classical music that's a good point yeah Yeah. and that's i think we're seeing a shift and it might take 10 years it might take 20 years whatever but this is popular art grassroots for everyone accessible and that will always be bigger than the top-down model like it just has that there's just a large audience for it and it you could say In that's way, not art because, because that means that the 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 audience actually, which was, you know, I can imagine. I, I I think we've probably talked about this like five or six years ago, where, you know, museums are always trying to increase their audiences and they're tiny, right? Like when you look at the actual attendance, not at. And I made this argument, and you're like, no, 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 the museum audiences are huge, but that's only for like five global mm-hmm. like top museums yeah. like the tate or yeah like moma or in japan what's that big one i always forget the name of it but like those museums yes they but, their but attendance continued to swell but i, I, th- I think what's happening yeah. is we, we're seeing the birth of many art histories we used to think there was one art history and now there's mm-hmm. just you you cannot think you cannot uh critique the same music, like there's so many genres. So then now there's many genres of art. <laughs> is it art history if there's no catalog, Raph? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're going to see, it's yeah. it's so broad now. And, and uh, If there's no printed catalog, I don't think it's art history. And also, <laughs> yeah. was there an essay? Yeah. I don't think there was an essay. Exactly. So Where was the manifesto? Yeah. Well, a manifesto is different. I, and I think there is a manifesto for a lot of it's this. It's on the blockchain. Yeah. Well, there's like a man like manifestos are a dime a dozen. I would assume these days. Like, um, if you don't have a manifesto, write one. (laughs) Uh, But that's just like a belief statement, like a purpose. But if we go back to the visualizing the mind from the brain Mm -hmm. interface, yeah, I think all art is is points of focus. So the 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 thoughts in a focus like and and the reason we love painting is because it's so archival. So that gives it a sense of focus. And if we can, we'll, we'll have to see through time how it works. But if it turns out that digital culture and NFTs have longevity from an archival standpoint and that they exist, that if we can accept those as points of focus, of focused cultural thinking solidified, then of course, if it's distributed and available, that's very powerful. So 
is it then like if you think of a, a painting that's in a warehouse that's only seen once every 20 years is that a good way to spread culture i don't know yeah i don't know like i don't even really think of that as the same um culture that i participate in right so but it ends up like for most artists i think hitting them when they ask themselves does this look like art right like yeah. the like you'll like i know that no one likes to ask that like that's a cringe worthy question but i guarantee you even i ask myself sometimes i'll be like working on something and i'm like is it art yet yeah <laughs> because it's like in a forming yeah, stage yeah 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 but th- th- that's true and I, I i do think there's a, a certain viewing experience in the physical space that is still it's it's the equivalent in music of someone having their perfect listening room with the, the best speakers mm. and and the best carpeting on the floor that doesn't or maybe a, a concert it is nice to sometimes have the ultimate experience yeah there's like this kind of uh, this is where i feel bad because i'm like making normally i would make the popular argument but there's a kind of purity level that you reach like a, the yeah. like where the gesture and the irony so is that the the pure viewing experience only works in peripheral museums because the big city museums are too busy to really enjoy the work. Mm, that's true. So that's I love small town museums yeah. in the United States yeah. for that reason. No, that you know what I'm talking about. And I'm mm-hmm. sure in Canada it's the same. And yeah. if you go to the MoMA and you're like, oh, I really want to absorb this uh, Monet triptych, uh, well, good luck. There's just uh, tons of people in front of you saying, oh, it's smaller than I thought. doesn't look as good as it does on Instagram. Yeah, like yeah. there's nothing like seeing a James Terrell with a crowd of people. <laughs> all For the God. serene experience. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good question. Yeah. These are good, good questions. Yeah, questions. great. Thank you. I like the, the, the double question. We can do... We could do six questions. It's a half dozen. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, appreciate the questions coming in. We have a few more in the backlog, but we're always welcoming more in. Do we have any a field recording for today? I think we have a few field recordings too, don't we? Oh, I'm not sure. We didn't do our homework ahead no. of time. Well, we'll do it next week then. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, I can see one here. I won't even mention their name because they'll be like, oh, man. Yeah. Uh, but next time. Uh, but do send in your field recordings. We love hearing what you're hearing um, as a factor of bringing us closer together. Yeah. And, we have uh, the best listeners. We do. I guess we never started the clubhouse and then that went away. And now we should do a Discord, but that's also not going to happen. So. Well, it's Twitter Lives, not Twitter Spaces or whatever it's called. Not yeah. Anymore. But there's all kinds of things we could do that we're not doing. No, we're just, we're traditional. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're, old. we're on we're on Skype for God's sake. Yeah. We're the only podcast still recording on Skype. Sounds good. Okay. Thank you for hey, listening. Thanks everyone. Bye-bye. Bye bye.